0: Welcome to Inside the Hive. I am your host, Nick Bilton, and we are entering the Twilight Zone. Okay, that was a really bad interpretation of my Twilight Zone music and my Twilight Zone voice, but the reason that I did that little trick was because this week we are going to enter the world of conspiracy. So my guest is Anna Merlin, who has an amazing book out called Republic of Lies, American Conspiracy Theorists and Their Surprising Rise to Power, which details how we ended up in a world with a president who... Believes a bunch of conspiracy theorists and how YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and all these things have helped push these conspiracies around. Q anon, if you've ever heard of that, if not, we will explain it to you on the show. Around UFOs and aliens, around vaccines and anti-vaccines, you name it, we're going to get into it. Pizzagate, Barack Obama, uh, people having risks that aren't real. This is going to be a fascinating, fun show. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump right in. Do, 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 do. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is incredibly exciting. I have more questions than we'll have time for, but let's begin. So I'm not sure we should begin where you begin your book on a crazy cruise or if we should begin with some crazy conspiracy theory. Let's start with the cruise. Tell us how you got here and how you ended up writing about all of this crazy conspiracy theory stuff.
1: Right. So in January 2015, I went on a cruise for conspiracy theorists and wrote about it for Jezebel, which is the site where a lot of my work appears. And the main thing that I noticed on the cruise is how excited people were about Donald Trump, even people who were relatively left-leaning. They thought that he was going to blow every secret open. They thought that he was, you know, a real threat to the New World Order, the establishment, whatever you want to call it. And they were just absolutely thrilled about his candidacy, but also thought that he would never win. Uh, And I also thought that.
0: Uh, We all thought that. We all thought that. And so... um, Even he thought that.
1: Even he thought that. So, after, after the cruise, I thought, you know, this is so interesting the way that he's reviving some of these subcultures and, you know, enlivening people like white supremacists, what, where is all that energy going to go when he loses? And so my whole thought was exploring what was happening with these worlds as they got pushed further and further to the margins. And instead I ended up writing a book about what happens when one of their own uh, takes office.
0: So there's so many, so conspiracy theories have been around for, for forever since the dawn as long, of yeah writing and man and whatever? As long as
1: we've had an organized system of government and society, people have been suspicious of each other, yeah.
0: And is the internet making it worse?
1: Uh, People ask me that a lot. I would say that social media makes it easier for conspiracy communities to find each other. It makes it easier for some of them to spread. And for people who are in the really deep end of the pool, it gives them a sort of um, reinforcement that they might have not gotten otherwise. But it's not necessarily making more people into conspiracy theorists, except when it is, I, I feel, I feel conflicted about that because I want to say no. And then I think about like QAnon. But, okay. So
0: here's, here's a question. Mm-hmm. And QAnon is, I, I, I cannot wait to get to that conversation yeah. because I, I've read more than I have cared to read about it and I still don't understand it. But yeah. so the question before we get there is, okay, so if it's not necessarily making it worse, it's not creating more people. Is it creating more conspiracies?
1: I would say that it is giving conspiracy... You know, conspiracies, conspiracy theories have a half-life, and I think the half-life used to be somewhat short, and now I think it is making it longer. It allows conspiracy theories to go for longer. Like, I have this encyclopedia of conspiracy theories from the 80s and 90s, and I love it, because a lot of them are things that we've just, like, completely forgotten about, these like really what? minor political scandals. Like, people that I have never heard of, you know, like, uh, things that I have no idea what they're referring to. There's a lot of minor stuff that came out of Iran-Contra, for instance, that sort of all these little offshoots. And what I feel like is happening now is that um, because of social media, so many things, so many of these communities can start out being about one thing, like about Seth Rich, for instance, the Seth Rich conspiracy theory, and then they become about something else.
0: And the Seth Rush conspiracy theory was, was the guy who who died, did he die in his sleep or was he was a, shot, right?
1: Yeah, he was a DNC staffer. He was a young DNC staffer. He was shot to death walking home late at night from a bar during the elections. And this conspiracy theory uh, quickly started to arise on the right that he had been, that he had leaked Hillary Clinton's emails, that the emails weren't hacked, that he leaked them. And that's why he was killed.
0: And then there was also the other conspiracy theory that the Russians did it on the left, right?
1: right. Yes. Yes.
0: Okay so when you when you're on this cruise and you start to start to kind of get into this world is there a point where you're just is there a point where you actually believe any of it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, most Americans, uh, half of us or one in three of us believe in at least one conspiracy theory.
0: What's your conspiracy theory? Aliens. You believe that? Yeah. Uh, do you believe that they, they're they here or that they were in Air 51 or like what?
1: I think that they are real. I think that the, the, the math works out that probably we're not alone in the universe. And I think that the government has not told us everything that they know, either about alien visitation, alien sightings, or uh, whatever research they are continuing to do on alien
0: life. Okay. So when you, when you so, so when you talk about like your belief in aliens and mm-hmm. then you're, you're, you 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 do not believe in other conspiracy theories. Do you like flat earth, for example, right? right? You don't, you're not a, are you a flat? Mm-mm. No. Okay. So, no. uh, is <laughs> Thanks for checking. <laughs> you never know. Uh, I've met some you very, do very smart people who
1: <laughs> that one is pretty rare. Um, I, I
0: met a, I met a guy who was a flat earther at, mm-hmm. a, at, a, at a dinner party and was just like, "Wait, what?" I've
1: met like one. Yeah. I think that they're very contrary. Flat earthers tend to be people who are like, "Well, have you ever thought of this?" And that's yeah. their that's their primary conversational style. Anyway, yeah. Uh,
0: um, so okay, I, I want to get into to some of the stuff in your book before mm-hmm. before we get to the aliens because the aliens can be a fun conversation, but. Mm-hmm. Um, QAnon, explain it to people who have no idea what this thing is uh, and how it even started.
1: So QAnon is actually a really good example of a conspiracy theory that spread using social media and also spread using traditional media. Like we have been very much complicit in making QAnon into a thing. So basically, um, on... 4chan, this person showed up calling themselves Q and dropping these clues about what they said was a, a coming storm, this huge... When was this? This was, uh, God, about a year and a half, two years ago? I can't even remember, as, Jesus. As
0: as what Trump was already president?
1: Trump was already president, and it was this idea, essentially, as the Mueller investigation was heating up, this person was essentially implying, or people came to believe that... The Mueller investigation might actually be an investigation into Trump's enemies or that Trump was essentially planning like a mass arrest of all these evildoers, the people investigating him, you know, the people running the global sex trafficking ring that a lot of people believe in. essentially Q was dropping these incredibly cryptic hints about this um, mass justice that was to come. And it was, I mean, primarily it is a conspiracy theory about Trump's secret competence and success. It is an idea that, you know, while on the surface he might appear to be struggling, he's really doing, doing a great job. You know, and it, it's sort of, uh, religious. Uh, this is, this is
0: started by literally just one person that goes anonymously on a message board and writes.
1: Yeah, this. there's been a lot of speculating about who it was, if it was a prank, if it was an attempt, you know, to make money through sort of a backwards way. Um, you know, NBC has done a little bit of reporting about like who they think it was. I am not convinced of any of it. I think it could literally just be one person. It's impossible to tell.
0: And so now the way Q works is that Q sends signals through Trump on the television and things like that. They is that think
1: right? that. Um, so Q, like actual Q, hasn't dropped a new crumb in like close to a month. I want to say, and they are they are impossible to interpret. They are just completely cryptic. So can, yeah.
0: can you walk us through for people who don't mm-hmm. follow Four Chan and Q? Can you walk us through how like one of the crumbs works?
1: So it's like. I wish I could pull up a post. I wish people could see it um, so that there was like an example. I could probably find one. But it's it tends to be these almost like riddle... Uh, riddle things about something that is about to happen. And they aren't definitive. It's not like the, the president is going to invade Iran next week. It's much more sort of open <laughs> open to interpretation. Um, and so a lot of people tend to pick up on something that Trump or somebody else in the news says, a number that they use, you know, a typo in a tweet and say, this is a reference to a cue. Clue.
0: So it's so when Trump has a tweet where he spells something incorrectly, then all the Q people go and think like that's the part that we have to follow right. because that points to what's going to happen. Yeah. And do they think that Trump is in with Q or?
1: Yes. I mean, they 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 must think that, and they think that Trump is sending hidden signals that they're like on the right track.
0: So as you're working on the book, you meet people in this world who mm-hmm. believe in this stuff. Is is it hard to kind of hear them out sometimes, than to kind of keep a straight face? That's the first question. But the second question, I guess, the more serious question Mm -hmm. is: is what is it that is there a certain type of personality that can let themselves go down that rabbit hole to believe that there's an anonymous person that's Mm -hmm. using a website, a forum, to uh, to reveal information about? how the president is going to act in a situation with Iran or something? Yeah.
1: So traditionally, conspiracy theories are the provenance of people who are disempowered and disenfranchised. You know, if your political party is out of office, statistically, you're more likely to believe in conspiracy theories. People who have a lower level of educational attainment are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories. Um, People of color are slightly more likely. I have a whole chapter in my book about conspiracy theories among black Americans because, Most conspiracy theories are fundamentally an attempt to make sense of a system that doesn't work for you, a country that does not work for you. You know, there are a lot of conspiracy theories about the financial and economic systems, about the healthcare system, anything that is screwing people over, essentially. So that is those are the people who can kind of go down that road. And so the answer to your other question is that people who. Believe in things like QAnon are people who fundamentally, you know, feel a sense of grievance about the way that they feel that Donald Trump has been treated. These are people who, you know, I would argue wrongly, but nonetheless sincerely believe that they are um, oppressed by current systems of power, whether it's you know the media, political correctness, whatever you want to call it, and believe that Donald Trump is not being given a fair a fair shake as president.
0: So when you kind of, when going back to the aliens thing we were talking about earlier, we were talking about, you know, how you you said one in three Americans believes in something. Um, Is there, do you put people in a bucket where um, there are a certain amount of people who believe in everything and then Mm -hmm. there are a certain amount of people who just believe in a couple of things? And the the follow-up to that is, who where does the line blur between like QAnon and Pizzagate and white supremacy
1: right so Um, most people's beliefs kind of fall on a spectrum and the things that you believe tend to line up with your um, your economic status your educational status where you fall on the political spectrum so you know like it's QAnon is obviously like a right-wing conspiracy theory Um, conspiracy theories about GMOs you know GMOs and mind control for instance are much more of a left leaning conspiracy theory
0: mind control did you say yeah
1: the idea that GMOs are harmful to our health the FDA is covering it up and that GMOs could even be you know on the extreme end the idea that GMOs could be part of a global plot to enslave us, you know, which is also a very old idea about fluoride, fluoride in the water supply. Though that one actually cuts across the right and the left. This idea that fluoride is bad for us. Um there's the American Dental Association did like a pamphlet about it. That's really amazing. About the history of fluoride conspiracy theories they are really great.
0: Um okay, so sorry, keep going. Sorry. So with the the uh the white supremacy in Cuba. Right.
1: And yeah, so there are a lot of conspiracy theories in among white supremacists, because fundamentally white supremacy is this idea that uh, whiteness and white people are under attack, that they're being replaced, that, um, you know, this global order of Zionists is uh, is coming to, you know, uh, sweep us all away. And so... You see a lot of overlap among some of the, the ideas among QAnon and Pizzagate people and then white supremacists, but they don't necessarily always call it the same thing. Like when I was at a white supremacist rally that I write about in the book, I was hearing a lot about secret pedophiles in government, which is also a fundamental tenet of Pizzagate, the idea that there is secret sex trafficking rings you know that are frequented by high level government operatives secret child sex trafficking rings but um in the case of white supremacists what they're doing whether they realize it or not is they're repeating sort of a contorted version of the blood libel which is a literally medieval conspiracy theory that jews are meeting in secret you know underground or late at night to um excuse me to like ritually abuse children kill them and use their blood for matzah right <laughs> Which is a literally medieval <laughs> conspiracy theory that is still believed in a lot of parts
0: of the world. I wondered why I like matzah so much. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> no wonder. <laughs>
0: oh, um, I was like, wait, blood from matzah. Uh, okay, so when when you're doing you're going through this reporting and you're spending time with these people, mm-hmm. is there a point in time where you kind of want to yell at them and say? You got it wrong, guys. Hmm.
1: So, I think that my responsibility is that when I know that something is wrong, like when somebody is telling me that the Holocaust didn't happen or that Sandy Hook, the Sandy Hook shootings didn't happen, you know, I disagree with them and I disagree with them uh, pretty firmly and directly. But there's no point in yelling. And there is generally a point at which we have to kind of move on. Have you
0: ever convinced someone who? Who believe Sandy Hook was fake or that the Holocaust didn't happen? That they're wrong.
1: No, and I'm never going to. That's it's. Uh, so what we know about convincing people out of conspiracy theories is that if you want to do that, they need to be a relatively recent convert, and you need to be sort of like them. They need to view you as part of their in group. So me, as an outsider, as a Jewish person, as like a rando calling them on the phone. I'm not going to talk them out of anything. I just had a conversation yesterday with somebody who is um, a publisher of a big book about Sandy Hook being a hoax. He just had to pull it out of circulation due to um, some litigation, and he has decided that the man suing him, Lenny Posner, whose son died at Sandy Hook, is not lying, that Lenny's son did die. He has not, however, concluded that anybody else's kid died. Um, so he
0: believes that one kid died at Sandy Hook and the rest were child actors?
1: <sighs> it was very hard to get him to tell me what he actually believes now. And we sort of ended up going down this conversational path where I was like, your narrative is falling apart. Like in a way, the thing that you believed before you met Lenny, because he met Lenny and he says that that's why he changed his mind. But in a way, the narrative that he's come up with now is a lot Less straightforward.
0: Does he feel guilty that once he met Lenny and realized that the kid died, actually did die, that he, does he feel like, oh shit, I made a mistake here?
1: If he feels guilty, uh, he did not express that to me.
0: Okay. So speaking of guilt and Mm -hmm. Sandy Hook, um, you talk about Alex Jones in your book. Um, and I think if I were given the option to punch one person in the <laughs> face on earth, it would be Alex Jones. Hmm. Uh, I might go with someone in, uh, you know, in the Trump administration, but probably Alex Jones, because it might be the most fun.
1: He would just bounce right back up, like <laughs> one of those. Um, anyway. You know what I'm thinking of? I like, totally,
0: those toys where yeah. you hit it, and it goes, ba-doop, ba-doop. Um, uh, anyway, when you read the the thing, so when you watch the things he said, when yeah. you read the things he's written, uh, when you hear the things he talks about, um, he, and... And a lot of, and there are some people who I know who actually do believe that Sandy Hook was a hoax. Mm-hmm. And these these are not people I spend a lot of time with, but um, people I've spoken to, reporting I've done so on, and they cite Alex Jones as the reason. Yeah, does someone like Alex Jones truly believe this stuff, or is he just trying to make money? And does someone like Alex Jones have an an ounce of guilt in their body because when you read the reports mm-hmm. when, when he gets sued and you yeah. read the you know read the responses from his lawyers and he's mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. I was under stress, I was this, that and the other, it's pretty obvious he doesn't actually believe it. Or he's saying that at least.
1: So, um, the idea of whether or not Alex Jones or other people who are less famous than Alex Jones actually believe what they're selling is a pretty common question. I would argue that that is not really knowable. I'm not, none of us are in his head. None of us are his. I would not want to be there. Right. But we're not omniscient. We're not his spouse. We're not his spiritual advisor. We don't know what he believes. Um, What I do know is what he spent the last whatever, 25 years doing, which is spreading conspiracy theories about things being about mass attacks and mass casualty events being staged. You know, he did that with the Oklahoma City bombings a long time ago. Mm. It is really that that smoothed his rise to fame on the far right as saying that Oklahoma City was staged by the government. Um, and so when you ask about guilt, um, I think it's important to point out that Alex Jones being sued is actually a relatively recent development. Um, Him being sued, him having to issue retractions, him having to be deposed, all of these things really started happening in the last three years. And so I think that he and his lawyers um, seem to have a little bit of a back and forth about what kind of claims he's going to make about why he said these things. Um, If you watch his full deposition in the Sandy Hook lawsuit, really what he says is... You know, first of all, that he was having some kind of psychotic episode where he thought that things were staged. But then he also, when he's pressed, says, Oh, but there are still a lot of questions about Sandy Hook. I'm still not sure. I'm just asking questions. I don't understand why I'm being singled out when everyone else is asking questions, too. And though he doesn't say this directly, he also is kind of pointing out that he talks about a lot of garbage for hours and hours and hours every day, and he doesn't understand why Sandy Hook is the thing that everybody seized on.
0: Well, because yeah. little children were killed. Yeah, uh,
1: <laughs> He, I mean, I would say, as far as I can tell, um, when you watch him being deposed, he, like a lot of Sandy Hook conspiracy theories specifically, has sort of a, a sort of open-ended thought about it where he's like, there. I just have a lot of questions. I'm just asking a lot of questions. Um, maybe the truth about Sandy Hook isn't truly knowable. You're listening to Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton.
0: It's Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you love digging into the week's political headlines, subscribe to Vanity Fair. The thing that I think that for me is, you know, what's been really interesting is as a reporter for the past 15, 20 years, Mm -hmm. I've covered, you know, covered the media, covered tech, covered the rise of social media and so on. And, um, and I've met families from Sandy Hook uh, and without question, probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to kind of cover or, 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 or look at. And, um, and, it makes, and I'm curious what your thought is on this, mm-hmm. but it makes me think, like, we, you know, our version of events in the United States where the First Amendment, you can say whatever you want, um, maybe goes a little too far in the age of technology and Alex mm-hmm. Jones and things like that. And I'm curious what you think. I mean, look, I grew up in England, and mm-hmm. in England there are some lines. Right, they're, they're, pretty- not, they're not, They're not big. They're, they don't go very far. But, uh, you know, New Zealand, that you, there are things that, you, there are, Certain things that you can not say, and I don't necessarily feel like society is a worse place as a result of that. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like because you can say whatever the fuck you want here, Mm -hmm. um, that there are people that end up being harmed in ways that you kind of want to stop.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, that is, I talked to Lenny Posner a fair amount, who's the Sandy Hook dad, and that is sort of his thought, too, is that the internet has become kind of a wild west and that maybe we need to scale it back. I, I have a lot of trouble with that. And I feel very conflicted about that idea, even don't though... do you say at
0: the end of the book that social media has a responsibility to do something about this? And I mean,
1: sort of. I think, though, that we're seeing that um, tech companies policing themselves is kind of a disaster also. you know, Their responses to things like Sandy Hook trutherism... Are so muddled, inconsistent, late they 're really only responsive to public and media pressure um, I mean fundamentally, the way that I see it is that conspiracy theories are are the symptom, not the disease, and that if we want people to stop conspiracy theorizing, then you know we have to build a more just, equitable, and transparent society. but that doesn 't actually answer what we do about Sandy Hook truthers, which I think fundamentally there are some like copyright rules even in place that you know, could when properly enforced do actually sort of, um, limit their reach. You know, one thing that Lenny has tried to do a lot is send DMCA notices to Sandy Hook websites that are using photos of his kid that he took. Right. Mm. And so that should have been an easy thing to get taken down. He shouldn't have had to, you know, try over and over and over to get, you know, major, um, hosting platforms to take down, Photos that were his intellectual property. And so things like that are, could at least sort of prevent, it's not necessarily going to prevent these people from conspiracy theorizing, but it's going to prevent them from using family photos, you know, documents that belong to Lenny to, to do it.
0: So um, when you look at the, uh, the, the recent thing with social media, mm-hmm. we've got, I mean, I don't even know where to like, where to yeah. jump in on this, but... The vaxxers, the anti-vaxxer thing, I think, mm-hmm. is, is a really fascinating one. And I'm curious what your thoughts are here. So mm-hmm. for forever, Facebook has said, oh, it's too difficult to stop these things. Sure. And, and Twitter has too. Sure. It's, it's too hard. Just the biggest pile of horse shit i've ever mm. heard come out of anyone's mouth right um, the, this is a company that connects 2.4 billion people around the globe instantly right uh and it's too difficult to stop the share so along comes pinterest right and they're like oh we're just gonna make it so you can't search this term
1: right we're just gonna ban that all together yeah
0: and, and literally instantly it stops right? right you cannot find anti-vaxxer stuff on pinterest and no no people are no longer i mean you could probably find it if it's being shared and right. like copy and paste and so on but it's for the average normal person, it's not going to find them, and it's it, and right. you're not going to find it. Yeah, um, is that a solution? Like where like there's like a a world where we come up with certain things as a society or as a company or whatever that we say, okay, well these things are kind of off limits.
1: I mean, I think it's going to prevent new people from finding those things, right? Like it's not going to it's not going to do anything to the existing audience who already are feeding their kids bleach or giving them bleach edemas, right? Which is a thing that anti-vaccine parents do to their kids. Um, But it's also, it's hard for me to tell if that is going to actually get rid of the idea or just move the idea into more private settings, Facebook groups, other social media sites that are less sort of regulated. I think I really think it's just too soon to tell, but I do think that with the case of some misinformation there should probably be more consequences for sharing it, but it's 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 like hard for me to even go there. You know, it's interesting.
0: But okay, so so I had someone on the podcast mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago. I a science someone uh, science related, and they were saying, you know, the the vaccine thing is a, is. It's not just a sharing of information that's inaccurate. Like if your kid doesn't get vaccinated and, and get sick and my kid dies as a result of it, right. um, then there should be rules in place to ensure that that doesn't happen. And right. therefore, like that is an instance where the government should step in or someone should step in.
1: Right. And they do. And they have. I mean, one thing that is really interesting about anti-vaccine people specifically is that they don't have a strong sense of the social contract. I don't know how better to put it. They don't believe. They're
0: more libertarian than they are. Yeah.
1: They just don't believe. I mean, they don't believe in herd immunity. Right. So they don't believe in the idea that people need to be broadly vaccinated to prevent things like measles. Um and so, you know, I think that the as much kicking and screaming as there is right now, the idea that like if you don't vaccinate your kid, you can't send them to public school or public daycare is a pretty reasonable response. Like if you don't want to live by a rule that the rest of us have decided is very much in the interest of public health, then probably you don't get to participate in public systems in the same way. Um, I think the problem is that the mandatory vaccine orders like we're seeing in Brooklyn are good for public health, but they're very, very hard to enforce. And they're going to make the existing population of people who are already really suspicious about the government, it's not going to make them feel any better. It's going to um, it's going to uh, reinforce their sense of victimhood. And then people who are playing on that sense of victimhood are going to continue profiting off of it.
0: What's so fascinating? Um, I was doing some reporting on the NRA um, mm. earlier this year, and you, when you go back to the nineteen um, eighties, um, and nineties, and seventies, even uh, there are folks at the NRA. One guy in particular is Guy uh, Knox, who um, were pushing conspiracy theories. Intentionally to try to push the idea that the government was was the government actually you know killed JFK to be able to then hmm. take away everyone's guns and right. things like that, um, and the same with MLK and other shootings and and we now see that happening. That's the that's Sandy Hook, right? Yeah, that the it government is. did it so, that, so they could take away. But but what's so interesting is that these institutions that are behind some of these conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Has like have places like Fox News or, or, you know, Breitbart or any of these kind of far right um, organizations, have they helped push these things or um, and make it worse?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They're the pipeline, you know, they're the pipeline from these extremely far out there sites into the mainstream. Only now, because (laughs) we have a president who promotes conspiracy theories himself, a step in the pipeline is missing. So it's much faster but yeah, I mean, historically, that's that's what they do. And there's a researcher named Kate Starbird at the University of Washington who has studied the spread of disinformation. And she talks about like literal, often Russian-backed disinformation sites being shared through the far-right ecosystem and into places like Fox News. You know, like there's a very direct line.
0: Wow. Um, all right, so uh, I have to ask about UFOs. Yeah. I know you talk about it in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so...
1: What's going on? <laughs> What's
0: happening? What's happening with UFOs? I grew up as a kid. I remember I was in England mm-hmm. and uh and I remember sometimes seeing on the news, you know, there was like a a video someone took on their, you know, their camcorder that looked like a postage stamp of Mm -hmm. like a ufo and now everyone has cell phones and we don't see them anymore so what's the what's the story with the u what's the story with the ufo community Mm -hmm. and what their what their beliefs are and uh and where is it all now
1: i mean ufos are one of the oldest conspiracy theories right you know the idea that the government is hiding what they know about ufos and it really comes from the, the root of it is the fact that the government in the 1940s was trying to disguise some of the um, testing they were doing on secret spy devices by, you know, um, saying that they were weather balloons, saying that they were, you know, uh, other things, and then people would catch sight of them and conclude that they were ufos so the, the so it was
0: the government that started it all? yeah
1: the government i mean essentially this is ufo subculture is the place where government secrecy meets citizen paranoia and the the outcome is a conspiracy theory but we also know that the government has for a really long time been interested in the idea of identifying unidentified flying objects figuring out what they are figuring out if they are a um if they are a military asset from another country, if they're maybe like a secret program that most of the U S uh, military apparatus doesn't know about, you yeah, know, that's one of ours, had, one of theirs. Yeah.
0: We had Bill Nye on the podcast this last week and mm. he was, his theory on UFOs is that he worked on one project a couple of decades ago. And, It was so secret that he wasn't even allowed to see it, and that you know that there is another group of pilots uh, for another part of the government that sees it and and doesn't know what it is. And they exactly, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, so I talk to somebody occasionally who is ex-military, and one of his theories is that the reason why some pilots are seeing objects now that they didn't used to see, there's this white oblong tic-tac shaped thing that several uh, navy pilots have or several uh, Air Force pilots have reported seeing. But the reason why they're reporting seeing it now and not a few decades ago is that their equipment is better. Hmm. That those things have always been around and just they're they're now seeing them. So um, it, at the end of 2017, it was revealed that there was a secret program within the Department of Defense that was studying alien technology, um, that the, a guy named Robert Bigelow, who's a eccentric billionaire, essentially had a contract to study what he claims are alien alloys in his possession. Okay. Yeah, at a ranch in Nevada. Um, so we know, this is all a long way to say that, we know that the government um, secretly studies UFOs and alien technology, and occasionally that leaks out. And so the most interesting thing that's happened recently is that um, people in the... I want to say that it's the Air Force, have recently been encouraged to, it's either the Navy or the Air Force, and I would have to check, have recently been encouraged to um, streamline their reporting process when they see something that they can't explain because there were so many people who were seeing things and felt like there was no way to report it up the chain of command without being ridiculed or worse. And so we know now that there's a little bit more openness for military folks to talk about what they think they're seeing in the sky in the in the distance, whatever.
0: So I, I took an Uber. Um, <laughs> everyone has this story. I'm sure you. I'm sure you hear. I'm sure, when people tell you what what you tell people what you've written about, mm. they they. I I was in an Uber and right. um and the 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 guy with the driver was a huge conspiracy theorist. And the one conspiracy theory that I, I that he told me that I couldn't get my head around was that Dave Chappelle. Uh
1: huh.
0: Have you heard this one? Dave Chappelle uh, was. When he went away when he disappeared and went to Africa for a mm-hmm. month, was taken by the US military. Huh and turned into, he's actually a robot version of Dave Chappelle now, and he would point. He pulled out his phone, and he pulled up a YouTube video with millions and millions of views. Wow, that's a good one. Where, and he was pointing out, and the YouTube video shows how his wrists are wider now, and it's because he's been working out mm-hmm. and e- eating more, but his wrists are wider, and his body shape is different, and this, that, and the other, and he was like, even when you work out, your wrists never get wider. Anyway, the reason I bring this up is that... that I can kind of I can understand. I don't believe any of it, but mm-hmm. I can understand the Sandy Hook people being like it's the government trying to take our guns or sure. or the the flat earthers saying, you know, they just don't want us to walk off the edge of the world and uh-huh. all these things. Dave Chappelle, like right. some of these are some of these are so bizarre and people invest so much time into them and yet they don't necessarily seem to have a return on investment. Right. What do they
1: do? What do they do they do do for people? So the idea of people being replaced, like sort of a body snatcher scenario is not uncommon. Um, well, it's it's uncommon in the general population. I should say you met you met a special dude. Um, so I think thanks.
0: I gave him five stars.
1: That's I would too. Yeah, that would be great. Um, that doesn't happen to me often enough. But anyway, well, you're, um, you're in
0: LA now. It yeah, will, it'll happen me. all
1: the time. Great. So, um, the most sort of well-known version of that is the idea that a lot of powerful people are secretly twelve-foot lizards. This is the idea. Wait, what do you mean? Oh, so this is David Icke. um, Did did you grow up knowing anything about David Icke if you're from England? Okay, Mm -hmm. so David Icke was a sports presenter, pretty famous, and then he disappeared for a while. He came back in a turquoise tracksuit sometime in the late 80s or early 90s saying that he was the son of the Godhead and that the world was going to end in 1997. And when that didn't happen, he started promoting a theory that actually a lot of people in power, you know, the the Bush family, the Queen of England, whatever, were secretly this 12-foot, reptilian race called the Anunnaki, right? And so that they were occasionally revealing themselves to be, to be lizards. If you, if you looked hard enough. Um, so David, I, what were
0: they doing to reveal themselves as lizards?
1: So there, if you look it up on YouTube, there are now a lot of videos showing like, you know, uh, I, (laughs) sorry, um, showing moments where people think that they're, they're like their lizard is secretly sneaking out, you know, like their, their pupils look, Slit or their litter, little lizard tongues or their scales or something reveal themselves. Oh, they're yeah. Okay, um, and so <laughs> this is a long way to say that the idea of um, somebody powerful and influential, even if it's Dave Chappelle, secretly being um, a robot, a lizard, a government asset, is fundamentally a fear about invasion. It's fundamentally a fear about some kind of outside, sinister influence coming in to covertly covertly take over and influence the population through means that we can't directly see, right? Hmm. It's, and so that is, that is really common. The idea that we are being invaded and manipulated. And again, that is because we know so much about the government, especially in the sixties and seventies, really trying to covertly manipulate public sentiment that it, it expresses itself in really weird ways, especially when not to diagnose your Uber driver, but it, Often runs up against forms of mental illness, and it can sort of express itself in weird ways.
0: That was my next question: is like it, how much of this does relate to mental illness?
1: I think it's really hard to say, and most people, I would say, certainly are not mentally ill. Even people with the like, you know, with the furthest furthest beliefs, um, and you know, I think the idea of diagnosing most people as mentally ill is just inappropriate because we're not clinicians. But I will say that there are things occasionally like like, that I chose not to write about in the book because I didn't know where the line was. Um, One of those is targeted individuals. What is that? So there are people who believe that they are being tracked um, and covertly attacked by the government, right? Mm -hmm. So these are people who believe that the government is trying to beam messages into their skulls, you know, the literal tinfoil hat idea or that they're being what's called gang stalked, being followed by groups of people who work for the government, work for another government. Um, you know, the idea that you're being followed by black helicopters, that's a targeted individual thing. And that is again, one where I think that social media has made it worse because there are all these Reddit groups now, for instance, for these folks to talk about like, this is what's happening to me today as a result of the government attacking me through the radio waves, you know? And so it, um, it very much reinforces.
0: Um <laughs> The, you brought up Reddit and we've talked about YouTube. Yeah, Is there, and Twitter and Facebook and mm-hmm. all these places, mm-hmm. is there one site that's worse, f- like the worst for all of this stuff? I mean, I always feel like it's YouTube. If I mm. if I ever accidentally end up on some conspiracy thing, I'm uh, immediately transported. But of course, there's Reddit. I mean, is yeah. it?
1: So actually, Reddit has had to police itself a lot more because it was getting criticized so much. Like the the Donald, which is the, you know, Trump subreddit that also functions as a very welcoming place for white supremacy and conspiracy theories has recently had it's like audience limited or something. I forget exactly what they did, but it's so Reddit. No, I would say that for bringing people in to new conspiracy theories, certainly YouTube because of the algorithm, you know, everybody's had this experience where you start watching a normal news clip and 10 videos later, you're deep into some weird shit. The (laughs) one that I always talk about is um, I am very pale and I watch YouTube tutorials about makeup. Mm -hmm. And I recently started getting, um, Videos suggested videos of a British white nationalist.
0: It's just from, like from from makeup to British from makeup. White yeah, it happened very
1: very quickly. It happened within three videos, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. This is somebody who served a prison term for trying to kill someone, and you know, now it's making um, YouTube videos.
0: It, uh, we have a couple of little kids, two and four year old, and mm. they used to watch YouTube. They don't anymore. But no. uh, we got the, you know they'd be watching Fireman Sam, and next thing you know, it's like they were like there was a video for like how to Shoot someone in the head in the U.S. Army, like yeah. from like close distance. It's like how do you how do you get from there to there? It's
1: really creepier, like the faux Peppa Pig videos. Yeah, I am, they're terrifying. Yeah, I take care of my friends' kids t- sometimes, and I like yeah, you can't
0: leave We've them known alone it's with YouTube. Not been deleted from everything in our home,
1: right? So YouTube is is probably the worst in terms of bringing in new people. In terms of things sort of flourishing unchecked, 8chan and Gab. You know, Gab is the site fundamentally most often used by white supremacists, and it really is. Um, often a site for people to cement their worst impulses. You're listening to Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton.
0: All right, so we don't have a little time left, so I want mm-hmm. I want to go through some conspiracy theories. Cool. So what it, what are some of your favorites? Like what's the what are the, some of the ones that stand out to you in the reporting of the book and everything?
1: So one that I got really fascinated with is redemption theory, which is this extremely complicated financial conspiracy theory that fundamentally holds that the government has secret money. Uh, in your name, in a secret bank account, and that you can, through these, you know, complicated legal and financial maneuvers, you can reclaim your secret money. They call it reclaiming your straw man. And the thing that I found so fascinating about it is that there are all these people who are trying to do it. There are all these um, explainers on YouTube, and all these people are trying to do it and are going to prison over it. So I was on the cruise with um, this guy, Sean David Morton, who's a redemption theory expert, and this guy, Winston Shrout, and then Sean's wife, and all three of them Ended up going to prison. Um, at, while I was reporting the book, wow. I was there when Sean and his wife were. Uh, and what was the thing guilty. that they
0: did to end up in prison?
1: Tax fraud. It's it's so fundamentally at it all. It's like this very very complicated set of beliefs that when you come out the other end, it's just tax fraud. It's just this idea that you don't have to re- report your your income properly, that you can falsely claim, you know, huge amounts of income. You can use these sort of exotic financial forms that the IRS now is like, the IRS has this whole, um, like, explainer about, like, why you shouldn't do this. (laughs) The IRS is like, we know what you're trying to do. Please don't do that. You are going to go to prison. And they do. Like, they don't fuck around. So, like, uh, Sean and his wife were facing 600 years each. Oh, my God. Yeah, because they they committed financial fraud according to the government and they encouraged other people to do it. And so what they only ended up getting, um, Sean got five and his wife, Melissa got less than less than two and she's out now because she has health issues. But um, so fundamentally what was so interesting to me is the idea that like, there were so many people around me doing this thing, uh, trying to, reclaim their secret money and getting themselves into really serious legal and financial trouble in the process. And I hadn't seen it until I started looking. It was everywhere and I hadn't seen it,
0: you know? What um, uh, What are some other ones that that stand out to you? I mean, I have my mm. own favorites, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, like, I one of the reasons why I enjoy spending so much time in the UFO world is because it is such a... It is like the best end of conspiracy culture. Well, sometimes. There's also a lot of white supremacists in the UFO world. Really? Yeah, there's this weird sort of overlap, this sort of um, what's called alternate history or like deep history um, that is fundamentally white supremacist when you get down to it. It's real weird. But one of the reasons why I like UFO stuff is because it's fund- uh, It's a fundamental expression of people's curiosity about the universe and their desire to know more and to see beyond our day-to-day reality. So, you know, committing tax fraud is a pretty prosaic thing. Talking about the nature of the universe and things that are hidden from us is more... Um, More interesting, so especially like I had been spending a lot of time with the crisis actor. Sandy Hook was was a hoax, folks, and so going to a UFO conference after that was amazing. It was like a vacation. (laughs) What are yours? What do you believe in?
0: I don't hear. See, it's interesting. I used to believe that there was. I remember in college. I remember reading a paper about. I read. I used to read all the old CIA papers that mm-hmm. had been declassified, and I remember oh, yeah. there was the one that I really got into for a while, where um, the CIA had figured out how to. Uh, w- what's the movie The Fly, where they uh, they transport you from one place to another? Yeah. Um, I forget what the actual like term,
1: teleportation, teleportation, or something. Yeah.
0: and they they had done it with a navy ship. Um, and they had moved it, and it had gone wrong. And that there were photos and video of um, of people who had been on the sailors on the mm. ship and the boat who had become melded together. Sweet. And so I, re- I got really into that for a while. I got into a bunch of it. Uh, a bu- the CIA uh, you know,
1: was doing so much weird shit. They the were doing a lot of weird shit. I
0: mean, they were and they were doing really fucked up stuff. Like yeah. They were putting drugs in soldiers, you mm-hmm. know, food, and to see how they reacted in Vietnam and this Yeah. And the other. yeah. However. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book called American Kingpin um, uh, a couple years ago about the hunt for Ross Albrecht, the guy who started The Silk Road. Yeah. And in the process of writing the book, I spent time with all of the agents involved, the FBI, the IRS. I mean, mm-hmm. it was literally like from every single department in government, DHS, you name it. And what you realize in that process is that none of these guys talk to each other. Right. there, There's these chains of command filled with people who are just – Collecting a paycheck, yeah, that work twenty hours a week. That um, that half of these people's bosses can't even literally tie their own shoelaces. Like that's why they wear loafers. Like mm. and and it, and I had this realization of like if there's really conspiracy theories going on in, right. in the U.S. government, like. It is impossible that they would actually be able to pull it off. I mean, that's
1: how nine eleven happened. There's such there's such terrible communication. There's such catastrophic intelligence failures and in communication between agencies that yeah, like it just
0: you know. That's so that's after that, I was like, I really can't <laughs> buy any of this stuff. Maybe there's some things going on. Maybe there's some like UFOs or something. But hmm. but I have a hard time. I have a hard time believing. It. Okay, last couple of questions, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then we'll we'll let you get back to your uh, your alien exploitations. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, when these things are, for example, I don't know if teleportation is real uh, or if the CIA actually tried to do it and melded some people together with a boat. Hard uh, to say. Hard to say. I hope they were okay at the end of it. Probably um, not. Probably not. Um, when these things are actually proven as to not be real, mm-hmm. for example, Pizzagate. Has Pizzagate been
1: i would say that those people fundamentally think that it has been proven to be real They they do because they take every new so pizzagate happened pre me too and so i write in the book that when the me too movement happened they were like this is fucking this is proof that there are secret high-level predators and, you know, we're going to reveal more and more of them. So their, they're like, their holy grail, as it were, is Hillary Clinton, proving that Hillary Clinton sexually abuses children. And none of them will ever be convinced that that is not the case. So a lot
0: of... But cons- the guy who uh-huh. went in and shot yeah. his gun does not believe that anymore.
1: Hard to say. I mean, without talking to him, you know, I watched him being sentenced, Edgar Welch, he went into the pizza parlor where he believed that the the child sex slaves were being held. Um, I watched him being sentenced and the judge pointed out that he had never actually said at any point in in the legal process that he was wrong. He apologized to the, you know, workers at the pizza parlor that he traumatized, but he never said... You know, I was wrong. This wasn't real. And I have no idea what's what is become of him in prison because prison is often an engine for people to come out, you know, much, uh, much weirder than they came in. So it's really hard to say what he believes.
0: Okay. So I guess the question probably doesn't make sense, but the question I was going to ask mm-hmm. is like, when these things are proven to be false, sure. Does, do, do they say oh okay well that was I was wrong or do they say oh actually what's really going on is X
1: conspiracy theories just change form I mean I have not talked to that many people who have actually come out and said you know what I believed was wrong and I no longer believe in that they just say you know I wasn't quite on the right track but now I am You know it's very similar to like you know doomsday cults the day after the world doesn't end yeah. they don't say oh well this guy was a charlatan I'm gonna go be an accountant in Iowa but they isn't that an on. example
0: of it like you know like why two Okay, all these mm-hmm. things that we heard were gonna happen and then they don't happen and sure. the world keeps spinning. Or like I rem- I literally remember as a kid seeing people on the high street in England mm-hmm. with boards on those like the world is nigh. Like, right. like and it didn't end. Like don't right. they at some point say yeah, maybe I got that wrong.
1: I mean, we can look at actual, you know, doomsday cults and see that a lot of them hang on for a really long time, you know, and they just they kind of move on to other ideas, they redo their math, you know, and conspiracy communities are the same way. When like, you know, when the the date of the supposed mass arrest of Hillary Clinton and all the Democrats doesn't happen, then they just they just redo the math and they say, Okay, well it's still it's still almost here. Like a lot of conspiracy celebrities like Alex Jones rely on these sort of perpetual cliffhangers, this idea that it's just around the corner and you have to keep tuning in, you know, because that's how they, that's how they make money. That's how they grow their audience is the idea that it's just about to be revealed. And if you tune out, if you turn it off, if you walk away, you'll miss it.
0: So terrifying. Do you think, um, last question for you, Mm -hmm. um, do you think that in 2020, so I I wrote about, about two, right after, after, after Trump um, didn't win, but, but got, uh, more, more uh uh he didn't get more votes but anyway um uh the i wrote this thing about i was doing i was reading some research and interviewing some people about fake news and whatnot mm-hmm. and ended up finding out about all the video stuff that was happening a couple of years ago the which is now stuff. but it was it was back then it was like still in the science labs yeah at like mit and places and the one video that the research that i saw was um uh, was being able to create deep fakes, and mm-hmm. and I wrote this piece saying, you know, you think this was bad? Wait till twenty twenty. Oh yeah, this is what's, and now we're starting to see it happen. Yes, and um, and I didn't think it was going to happen as quickly as it did, and it's terrifying to see how accurate it already is. Yes, and so if we go two years, a year and a half, I mean, the election's another four hundred and eighty days away, or whatever. Um, are is there are there things that you're starting to see? bubble up in the in the conspiracy world that you think will be, become major things in the election, kind of like a Pizzagate, um, around like Buttigieg or Warren or any of these people?
1: Mm. I mean, I think the most sort of common thing that's going to come up, and it hasn't quite yet, but there's going to be accusations from the right of some kind of electoral... Interference, you know what I mean, like some kind of vote rigging. Like that's a very so if prosaic they lose, answer. Yeah, that's
0: what's gonna. That's the reason why.
1: Yeah, and there are certain people that I would really keep an eye on who are sort of um, very enthusiastic promoters of disinformation. You know, like you know who Mike Cernovich
0: is. Oh yeah,
1: Mike Mike Cernovich is a self-professed journalist, a person on the far right, and so I'm always. I'm always conscious of stories that he is trying to push. And one thing that is already starting to come up among those people is the idea that, you know, they're never going to let Trump get reelected. In 2016, it was they're never going to let Trump get elected. Now it's going to be they're never going to let him get reelected. So I'm very, very, very curious to see what happens with that. But so far... The only person that they're really focused on in terms of spreading fake stories is Kamala Harris, um, you know. And the main thing right now is just questioning whether or not she really is black, which is just um, more garden variety xenophobia than it is any kind of conspiracy theorizing. But as somebody starts to emerge as the as the front runner, we're gonna probably see some weird stuff about them being. You know, a, a foreign asset.
0: And do you is would your advice be to those people to not address it or to to respond to it mm. or to yeah? So
1: Hillary Clinton, you know, did a whole fucking excuse me press conference you about can, Alex Jones. Yeah, she did a whole press conference about Alex Jones and the far right, and it, I think it was a huge mistake. So I you... think it was really not a good idea. I I think that unfortunately, when the candidates address misinformation about them they kind of feed conspiracy theories the rest of us you know journalists should be talking about it addressing it trying to figure out where these fake stories come from but the candidates themselves just don't do a good job and it just gives them gives these things so much oxygen you know the biggest mistake that hillary clinton made was calling trump supporters deplorables and that really happened as a result of her seeming frustration over
0: are there conspiracy theories on the left about trump that he's like a a lizard or anything like that.
1: I mean, just the basic conspiracy theory that he is a Putin employee, that he is a Manchurian candidate, that he's not that he's a that he's an asset right? That he's a foreign asset. You hear that?
0: I think he's too dumb to be a foreign yeah,
1: asset. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the idea basically that he's a dumb motherfucker who got elected by accident and is sort of bumbling through trying to do as little work as possible and make as much money as possible is not emotionally satisfying to people. And so that is why you keep seeing people saying, well, you know, he was elected through interference and he is, you know, he is paid by Putin directly. That That's why you see that. And it's depressing, but it's also just a fundamental example of how people make sense of a of something that was really catastrophic for them you know
0: all right so just to come back to the aliens Mm -hmm. so you believe they're here area 51 did they're too smart
1: to be here um i mean did area 51 happen yeah it's a real place and you know you can see people like bob lazar saying that they were paid to try to reverse engineer a spacecraft you know so certainly i think that what we can take from alien subculture is that um Things are, things are happening outside of our field of view that are much weirder than we could imagine. We also know that people who are really deep in the alien world think that all these recent revelations about secret government programs are themselves a conspiracy on the part of the government and that we're being fed disinformation from the government. So, you know, the the real lesson here is to not trust anything and to just exist in a heightened state of constant paranoia.
0: Well, that's why we all live on a flat earth. So yeah. On that, on that yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, Anna. The book is Republic of Lies American Conspiracy Theorist and Their Support, a r- support, uh, Surprising Rise to Power. I can't even read at this point because uh, I'm so freaked out about the aliens. Uh. Thanks so much for taking the time. This has been amazing.
1: Thank you for having me. Of
0: course thanks to my guest this week Anna Merlin okay I'm gonna stop now Uh, if you enjoyed this conversation be sure to listen to other conversations as great as this conversation on Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton you can find these on Apple Podcasts radio.com or anywhere you get your podcasts and don't forget to leave a review while you're there and if you don't have anything nice to say then don't leave a review at all thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work thanks of course to my sponsors Blinkist and Quip please support them the same way you support this podcast so we can keep doing this wonderful podcast I will see you all next week